You're listening to the Cornerstone Word of Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this teaching from Pastor Mark. For more information on our church, please visit cwol.org. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. In the King James Version, it says, And now abides faith, hope, and love. That word love or charity in the King James is agape. Everybody say agape. These three remain. So what are the ones that remain? Faith. How many of you know you're supposed to live by faith? The just shall do what? Live by faith. Are you living by faith or are you living by what you see? You see, if you live by what you see, then all you'll do is respond. But if you live by faith, you live by the word of God. You live by, so we call it living faith. And then the Bible says that what else remains is hope. And the Bible says that hope, uh, hope if the definition of the word of God is a joyful, confident expectation. And we have this hope that's an anchor to our soul. And we have a living hope because Jesus is our hope and he's alive. We are not like this world who have no hope hope. Amen. Anytime, remember what I told you, anytime you feel hopeless, you have taken God out of the equation. Anytime you ever feel hopeless, if there's no hope in you, there's no joyful, this is just hopeless. You have removed God because you and I, as a believer, we, we have this hope. It's a living hope. It's the anchor of our soul, and it is, we, we are expecting something. And then we've been talking about love, agape, the God kind of love. And, and the last time we were together, Pastor Rhonda shared with you out of 1 Corinthians 13, chapters, you know, chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, out of the Amplified Classic, about what the agape looks like. And so today, I'm going to finish up, uh, you know, um, we've been talking about these three. And so we're going to finish up today, uh, we're calling this love illusion. And so I need, I need you and I to understand, we need to understand right now, the greatest of these is love. That's what the Bible says. Your faith works by it. You, your, your hope uh, is energized by it. And right now, um, what the world needs is they need to see you and I walking in agape and God's agape to you. Are you grateful for God's love to you? He, he loved you when you were a sinner. He, he loved you when you weren't perfect. He loved you before you loved him. He loves you with an everlasting love. Amen. His love for you is not performance-based. He loved you so much he sent you Jesus. He, if he sent you Jesus, what would he withhold from you? And then he said about us that the mark of my sons and daughters should be this love, this agape one towards another. Uh, Jesus said this. He said the greatest commandment is number one, to love the Lord your God with all your strength, with all your soul, with all your might, with all that you are. And the second is likened unto it that you would love your neighbor as yourself. It, how will they know that we're his disciples? The mark is the agape. It is the God kind of love. It, that love is not performance-based. I don't love you because you do something for me. I love you with the love of God. Romans 5 and 5 says this love is shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. And that love includes forgiveness. That love includes not being rude to people. That love includes not being unmannerly. That love means thinking the best of everybody. Amen. Come on. That's the love, God kind of love. And that's what God wants you to walk in. Your faith, the devil is not ignorant. Uh, he, is, he is stupid in the fact that he thought he could overthrow God. That's pretty stupid. 
But he's not ignorant, and if he wants to get the church sidelined, the first thing he's going to do is try to get you in offense. He's going to try to make you mad and irritated. Anything you listen today to that causes you to be irritated, to be angry, there's a difference in righteous anger and anger, and you know the difference. Righteous anger will produce a fruit of righteousness. It'll cause you to do something that'll change something for God. Just being angry to be angry is not godly. It's, it's actually devilish. It's very devilish and it's very deceitful. And you need to be careful who you're listening to that you don't, and who you're hanging with because you don't want any roots of bitterness in you. Amen. And what happens when someone's bitter, they defile you. And a root takes place that'll choke out the word of God. Come on, walk in love. Come on, walk in love and don't let anybody, don't pick up anybody else's offense. Amen. And I'm talking about personally, I'm talking about corporately right now. Well, we have a right. Well, you can either have your rights or you can uh, walk right in the word of God and receive all the promises of God. Amen. Uh, I love, you know, last week, uh, just reminded of the Syrophoenician woman. Uh, you know, she could have had her rights. She, she, she could have been offended. But instead, she chose to walk by faith to receive God from God. So that's part of it. And so I want to pick up today. Everybody say agape. And so what I love about agape, what I see, uh, I think we looked at this a little bit. But I'm gonna look, let's go look at Luke chapter 15. Come on, are you ready to be a doer of this? The love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost. You can't do this on your own. Um, you can't walk in forgiveness with people on your own. Remember what Peter said? You know, Lord, let's, let's forgive him like seven times. I mean, seven times in a day is enough. I, I agree, actually, I agree with him. I, I do. I agree with him. Uh, but the Lord said what? No, 70 times seven. In other words, you're not, seriously, you could, Pastor Mark, you shouldn't say that because Jesus rebuked Peter. I know he would, I I just think seven's enough. But this way, but I want it more this way. And that's what he's saying, do it like I would do it. But I, I can't personally do that. I mean, most, most, come on, you all know the saying, you know, um, you know, you mess me over once, shame on you. You mess me over twice, shame on me. In other words, most people give people two times. Peter was at least at seven, but the Lord's at 490. And really it's not 490, right? How can we do that? How can you do that today when everybody's irritating you? When their posts irritate you and you got to respond. How, how do you do that when you're watching the news and you scream at it? How do you do that? If you don't notice it, everybody out there is agitated. And the source of their agitation is one. He's called the devil. It's not a mistake. It's on purpose. Don't be deceived by it. Don't be deceived. By, don't play with it. Don't entertain it. Don't listen to it. Anything that riles you up that's not gospel, <laughs> you ought to leave it alone. Well, I, I need to be informed. How about get informed about the book? 
This is victory. This is the victory that you and I need right now. Well, I'm going to get to it. Hallelujah. Luke 15. Luke 15. So here we have, you know this account. Um, This is the prodigal son. You know what happened. The younger of the two sons... Uh, the father represents God. We've got two sons, two different kinds of sons. We've got the younger son. We've got the older son. And the younger son came, and he wanted his inheritance now. And he could have his inheritance now because so the father gave it to him. And uh, verse 12, the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my portion of goods that falls to me. And he divided them to his living. And not many days after the younger son gathered all together, took his journey to a far country. And there he wasted his substance with riotous living. So in other words, we would say this young man went and got into sin. And when he had spent all, there arose a mighty famine in the land, and he began to be in want. Verse 15, he went and joined himself to the citizen of that country and sent him to his field, fields to feed the swine. And he would fain have filled his belly. He would have filled his belly with the husks, husk, the nasty stuff that the swine did eat, and no man gave unto him. Verse 17, and when he came to himself. I believe in the body of Christ right now, the awakening of the righteous is happening. I believe the awakening of the righteous is happening. He said, how many hired servants of my father have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father's house. He had an awakening. He had an awakening. I pray for the body of Christ that is backslidden. I pray for those that are in the world that they would have an awakening under righteousness, that they would know who Jesus is, they would know the goodness of our Father, and they would come to themselves, and they would find their way back home or home. And so he said, I'm going to go to Dad's house. I'm no worthy to be called a son. Um, um, Make me one of the hired servants. And when he arose, he came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off, his father saw him. So father, representing father God, is looking for the backslidden. Look at, those are his children. Paid a high price for them. Loves them. Wanted a family. Part of the family. They're away. The, the son's coming back. The father sees him afar off. And what did he do? He saw him far off. His father saw him. Had compassion and ran. Had, come on. The father ran. Uh, this was a big deal. The, the father, the Kings, the higher up men, they, they weren't, they weren't runners. The people would come to them, but he ran. He, that's the heart of God. When he sees someone lost coming back to him, he runs to them. He has compassion on them, ran, fell on his neck, and kissed him. And the son said, Father, I have sinned. So there's repentance against heaven and in your sight. I'm no worthy, more worthy to call be your son. But, the, everybody say, but. Okay, this is what I want you to see. The love of God has restoration in it. The love of God has restoration in it. The Lord, because I believe that people are going to be coming back to God in big waves and people are going to get born again, you're going to see a a tremendous rush of the restoration of God. You're about to see a rush of, what does it mean to restore? It means to put back the way it was. 
No, when, when you restore something, you heard me say this before, you know, if you watch those shows uh, for a house, but I like the ones with the old cars where, you know, they're all rusted and fall apart. And in a half an hour, it's amazing. In a half an hour, you know, you've got this car that looks the way it did or even better than it did when it's original. It's so cool. Someday I'm going to have my 16-year, I tell this all the time, I didn't realize my dad was trying to make me cool when he bought me a 72 Dodge Charger. I would love to have that thing back, but it got smashed in the back of a school bus. I broke my sister's leg. I've never heard the end of that. But anyway, I, I would love to have that one back. Hallelujah. But what does it mean to restore? To reconstitute in health, home organization, to put back to its original state. And so you see the love of God. In the love of God, you've got a, a young man who went off into sin. He did it purposely. He, did, he plotted this out. I'm going to get my money. I'm going to go live, and I'm going to go have fun because you know you only get to live once. And I, I'm going to have mine now. And he got into sin and, and riotous living. And then a famine came, a plague came, and he lost everything, and nobody was helping him. And he's about to eat some pig food, and he came to himself. And he said, I'm going, I'm going to go back and be a servant. But, when, but notice even that's a, a right mentality. I, you know, I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to run back to God. But on God's side, where God is love, when God saw him, he ran to him. And when God saw him, he had compassion on him. He didn't tell him, you made your bed hard, now you got to lie in it. He didn't say, because you think wrong and have thought wrong and your life's a mess, I'm not going to fix it. That's not what he said to him at all. That's religion. That's religious thinking that says, well, you know, uh, God can't, it won't instantly help somebody. They're going to have to prove for a long time that they're this, that they're that. But with God, he immediately had compassion and he immediately had restoration on his mind. Come on. I want you to get restoration on your mind. I want you to get restoration on your mind. And, and, and he, he said, the father said this to his servants, bring forth the best robe. The best, the best robe. Ever say the best? Yeah. Woo! And so you put your, they're going to be putting their robes of righteousness back on. Get a ring, not just a ring, but it, that ring at that time was a signet ring. It had the crest of the family on it. And that means you got all your, sec, uh, your, your check signing privileges back. You can do business in my name again. You can do business in my name again. It was a signet ring. It wasn't just a ring. It wasn't a piece of jewelry. It, was, it denoted authority. In other words, you got your authority back. Because you're my son. Come on, put some shoes on his feet. Put some shoes on his feet. Come on, go get the, the oh, come on. It's time for some ribeye. Hallelujah, it's time for some ribeye. And let's have a party. Because my son was dead, now he's alive. Now, to the church who will listen to me, don't be like the other brother. I call this the other brother syndrome. The religion. Because here you've got, then what happens? The other brother is like, what's the dancing? What's going on over there? And, and so uh, verse 25, the elder brother was in the field. In other words, he was doing his work. 
He came, drew nigh to the house, and he heard music and dancing. And he said to the servants, what's going on? And he said, your brother's home. And your father is serving ribeye. And he, and he was what? Joyful and expectant. Yay, my brother's home. No, what does the Bible say? He was angry. Now you watch this hour that we live in. Don't get angry when somebody who should have known better, who should have done better, comes back to the house of God, gets their life in order, and suddenly God blesses them in an amazing way. I mean, they walk up, they, they give their life back to God. They're speaking in other tongues again. He immediately heals their body. Suddenly next week they're having a, they got a new job with a better prayer. They got, pay, I mean, think, everything, I mean, you know, it just begins to happen. That's not time for you to get mad and say, well, what's God waiting on me? I've been waiting on No, you're in the same line of blessing, but watch what happened here. He was angry and he wouldn't go in. Therefore, the father came out and entreated him. Dad's like, I'm going to work with him. God will work with us. And he answered and said to his father, I have served you. In other words, we'd say it this way. I've been faithful. I've been faithful. How many of you know the Bible does say a faithful man shall abound in the blessings of God? Uh, Pastor Robert was talking about the talents, which are not playing the flute and, and uh, you know, uh, singing. It's money. I've been faithful with five. I increased it. I doubled it. And, and what did the Lord say to him? You've been faithful. And remember at the very end, the one who was unfaithful, he said, give him to the one with five. Because he knows what he's doing. Right? And, and so that's what this guy, I've been faithful, but it's more than just being faithful. Don't be faithful being bitter. Don't be faithful being religious. Be faithful, do everything unto the Lord. But here this man was like, he was very works mentality. Come on, y'all, listen to me, everybody in this room. Be sure you don't get into a works mentality in trying to receive from God. I'm going to do more so God will do for me. No, you do out of a love and expression because he loved you and you want to, you want to love on him back. Are you with me? And he said, um, um, you've, I've, I've never transgressed. I'm a good religious man. I did all your commandments, um, you, but you've never given me. He even lowered himself. You've never given me a goat, not even a goat. You've never even given me a goat. Uh, to make merry with my friends, but as soon as this riotous liver, livering, a liver, as soon as this riotous liver, yeah, maybe his liver was bad because he was all that drinking. This riotous dude has come home. You, you, you're giving him, you know, top A, uh, um, black Angus beef, uh, sirloin and filet. What's going on? And he said, son, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. Listen to me, y'all. If you're in the room, you don't have to wait to receive your healing. You don't have to wait to walk in prosperity. You don't have to wait to walk in peace and joy. You don't have to wait to feel protected. You, you can, you, everything that God has for you, you receive it now as a finished work. You're not waiting on God. He's waiting on you. 
And what is all this working together? It's restoration. So I want to tell you something because of the assignment that God has for you and I in this day that we live in. So I got to get going here. Hallelujah. Number one, it is the will of the Father to restore and to have an abundant life for both those who are currently living in sin and practicing sin. What do they got to do? Get born again or they got to get awake and they got to come home. And when they come home, the will of the Father is to show them compassion. It's of his compassions and his mercies. I mean, they're new every morning. The Lord is full of compassion. His tender mercies are over all of his works. Jesus, when he was on the earth, was moved with compassion. Compassion, the desire to give aid and show mercy. That compassion has got to live on the inside of you because it lives in God. It's who he is. God is love. And so therefore, God is love. God has, God is, he's the father of mercies. And his compassions, they fail not. Jesus was moved with those compassions and he healed the multitude. I'm telling you, as we roll into this time, God's compassion and mercy is about to be on display. You can be on the, even on the inside looking at people receiving it and you can get irritated or you can pre-get some right now. No, you can get some right now. You don't have to wait. He's all, I, I, you're with him right now. God's, he's getting ready to do this. You might as well get in on the first of the line and receive all that God has. I'm telling you, there is going to be restoration. Anytime the devil raises his ugly head, remember like David, they were out uh, on a campaign at war and things weren't going well and they came back to Ziklag where they were and all their wives and all their children were gone and everything was going bad. Remember the people who they loved David. Remember, they came to the cave of Adullam so they could learn from the great giant killer. But as soon as anything went bad, they were ready to turn on him. The Bible says they were all ready to stone him. And so he had to get with the Lord. And he, he, had, to, he had to spend some time with the Lord. And as he spent time with the Lord, what did the Lord say to him? What did the, what did the Lord say to him? What did the Lord say to him? He said, pursue them overtake them and recover all. Come on, I believe, come on, that's what Jubilee is. Remember Jesus in Luke chapter four, he said, I've come to preach to you the acceptable year of the Lord. What is that, Jubilee? What is that, every 50 years, they, they sounded the trumpet and, and yelled, Jubilee, Jubilee, what is that? Everything was, that was ever taken from you was restored. I'm telling you, I sense it in my heart. I felt like that's why we need to end up here as we move on to some other things the Lord's been dealing with me about. But I'm telling you, he's in the restoration state of mind. The devil has stolen. The devil has taken some things. But you've got to make up your mind that my father is in the restoration business. He is a restorer. He is a restorer. He can restore you spiritually. He can restore your soul. He's the mender of a broken heart. He can restore your body. He can restore a family. He can restore finances. But you've got to get in position. And one of the positions you've got to get into is you've got to be hearing what he's saying right now and not hearing what the devil and what the world is saying right now. You've got to hear what God is saying right now. Eyes only on him. Amen. And so when he came back, we see his compassion. We see that. And so God's in a restoration. What does it mean? To, so he restored. He, he restored the younger brother. He restored him. 
He, he, restoration happened. And so God wants to restore. We see in Joel chapter 2, verse 25, he says, I will restore to you the years. I think we got a couple coming to us. How does God restore years? I don't know. I don't care. All I know is he restores them. I don't have to know how to believe it. He said, I will restore to you the years. <laughs> that the locust eat the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm, the plague, the pandemic, the whatever. In Isaiah 61. Remember where Jesus took this out of Luke chapter 4. We see it written there. He got it read a scroll what was written. Isaiah 61. Um, I don't have time to read all of it, but Isaiah 61 verse 4. It says, and they shall build up. He's talking about restoration. Um, the opening of the prison, to open prison doors to those that are bound. Proclaiming the acceptable year of the Lord. To give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning. Garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Then verse 4 says, and they shall build up the old wastes. They shall raise up the former desolations. And they shall repair the waste cities, the desolations of many generations. So if there's been some generational decay, and there has been, the Lord's going to restore it. The Lord's going to restore it. The Lord's going to restore it. Again, I said Jesus in Luke chapter 4, verse 19. He said, I came to you to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jubilee, restoration. The Lord has recovery on his mind. I believe you're going to see some recovery. You know, you back to the, um, the prodigal son. Where, where the areas that God restored him. Number one, he restored fellowship. I believe there's coming a great restoration of fellowship to those who will come back to the Lord. A great restoration of fellowship. There was a, an immediate restoration of sonship. So I believe there's going to be some preaching and teaching more along the line of who we are as sons and daughters. You need to know who you are. But there's a restoration of sonship. Number two, he restored his authority. Well, around here, you're always going to hear about authority. But it's time for you and I to walk in the authority that God has given us. We don't want to be like the religious son. We don't want to have the other brother syndrome where we're watching what God is about to do for all these people. And he's done it over the years all the time. But I'm expecting a wave. I'm expecting a wave. I'm expecting, a, oh, everybody take notice of people are getting born again. People are coming back to the Lord. Lives are being changed. And then that, other, that young son, he restored his wealth back to him. Well, where did it all go? Because I thought they divided it up into two. Well, I guess the father kept making some money. It was, all, it was still there. He gave him everything that was due him, but there was still more to spare. I mean, God, there's never an end to what God can do for you. Come on, but I believe there's a restoration coming. Now, now, how many of you can believe God to restore some things that were stolen from you? So this is what I want you to do right now. You can write it down. You can think about it. Just do one thing. One thing that you feel like the enemy may have gotten in and stolen from you. 
Now, if you've never had anything stolen or over the last two or three years, you don't feel like anything's been stolen from you, then um, I can give you a list of things for other uh, things going on that, uh, you know, number one, um, I, I believe that the enemy has uh, stolen uh, just productivity and time and the expansion of the gospel in, in the United States. So much has been put on hold. I believe it's time to take the hold button off. I mean, I haven't been on hold, but so many people have been on hold. And it's time to take the hold button off. And so uh, you can believe God with that, that, that people are uh, coming back to the Lord. What, but in your personal life, what do you feel like has been taken from you? It may have nothing to do with COVID. It may have nothing to do with anything everybody else is going through. But what, did, what, what maybe has the devil stolen from you? I want you to begin to believe. And, and see, you weren't away from God. You were in fellowship with the Lord. But that's what the, the Lord, you know, God in that parable, he told the, the other son, everything I've always had is yours. All the promises of God have always been yes and amen to you. They've always been. So, so go ahead and get it. Go ahead and take it. Come on, go ahead and get it. Go ahead and take it. Go ahead and get it. Go ahead and take it. Receive it right now by faith. It's yours. It's yours. Be restored in that area. The Lord is wanting to restore you or restore some things to you. Why? I think it's always easier that when you have walked in something to then give that to someone else. How is the Lord going to restore those who are lost and backslidden? He's going to use you. Did I lose you all? He's going to lose you. He's, going, he's not going to lose you. He's going to use you. Amen. Do you want, whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. It's time. It's ta I'm talking about revolution. Listen to me. The greatest of these is love. One of the aspects of God's love is seen in the prodigal son account where the, the father restores. That is love. Dude didn't deserve it. Didn't earn it. He did come back and repent. And he was willing to come in as a servant. But the, the restoring power of God is the love of God in manifestation. Because of those things is because, you see, human love would say, well, you know, okay, everything's okay, but I can't get any, we can't just fix this right now. You, you know, uh, you blew all your money. Yeah, I agree. You, you can live as a servant. You know, the bunk is out, the bunkhouse is out there. But that's not what happened. God restores God restores, and he wants to restore some things for you. But how do you get in position for that restoration is one of the things is you are very mindful that God wants people to recover all. He's, come on, he wants you to recover all. Now, in doing that, then he has made you a restorer. You've heard this before, but he's, say, everybody say, I am in the ministry of reconciliation. What is that? I reconcile uh, people to God. And what in the, that is, is a restoration ministry. So Galatians 6.1 uh, says this, Brethren, if a man over be, be overtaken in a fault, you which are spiritual. Uh, is that you? Is that you? 
Well, I don't feel very spiritual. I didn't, tell, I didn't ask you how you felt. I asked you who you are. Are you, are you a restorer? Are you spiritual? Are you spiritual? I'm going to make everybody say it. Say, I am spiritual. <laughs> I know. They said, well, I don't know if I'm good enough. It's not about you being good enough. It's about your position. You're a son and daughter of God. So if anybody be overtaken in a fault, anyone living in sin, you which are spiritual, he's talking to us, restore them in a spirit of meekness. Considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and you will fulfill the law of, what is the law of Christ? Number one. What's the law of Christ? Number one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, strength, soul, and your might. Number two is likened unto, what is the law of Christ? Number two is likened unto it. That you would love your neighbor as yourself. How do you fulfill? Number two, you are in the restoration ministry. How does God show his love to you? He restores you even when you don't deserve it. Uh, he, he restores you completely. It's Jubilee. Come on, for your shame, you'll have double. Amen. I'm not concerned about it. If the, if the devil tried to take something from me, the very least he's got to do is give me twice back. That's the least. Come on, if he got something, come on, it's, it's time for restoration. What are you supposed to get out of Job. All the suffering. No, that's not what you're supposed to The patience. Come on. Even Job, most people say, most scholars say that that happened in a nine-month period. That was a lot in nine months. Well, I don't know. We've gone through this a couple years, so maybe we should, we should at least believe for four times. I don't know. But some of you, it'll be... <laughs> Well, I'm just going to believe to get it all back. Okay, good. And then there's another step. You can get double. And then there's another step. You can get, I mean, more than enough. Amen. I'm telling you, God is restoring. And in order to, what will help some things there is for you to understand, I'm being restored and I'm not going to wait till everything gets restored. I know that I'm going to be restored. I know that God's going to bless me. I know that God's taking care of me. I know that he's working in my family. I know that he's working in my body. I know I have received these things and therefore I'm not going to wait for anything. I'm just going to begin then to activate. I'm going to sow into other people's lives. I'm going to sow into other people's lives the ministry of reconciliation. I'm going to be a restorer. So I'm going to begin to look for people I know. I'm going to begin to look for people I don't know. I'm going to ask the Holy Ghost, how do you want me to help them get restored? And when I do that, I'm in perfect position because I'm walking in, I'm working with the Holy Ghost in restoring people. Then the restoration is just going to keep happening to me and happening to me and happening to me. Amen. Amen. How do I restore people? How do I operate in this ministry of reconciliation? How, because I'm a spiritual, how do I restore other people? Number one, you can pray for them. James 5, 16 says, the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man make tremendous power available, dynamic in their working. So what you can begin to do, you can see someone, you know someone. First thing I would do is I'd begin to pray for them. Not just, Lord, bless them. Lord, help them. Lord, they're acting like idiots. Do something about them. No, take the word to them. Father God, I pray the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. Uh, um, Colossians 1, 9 through 11 is one of my favorite things to pray over you and pray over people. That people would realize what is vital. 
of real Amplified Classic says, of real value. Right now, people need to know what is really vital, what's really important. I pray that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened. If there's any blinders, if the God of this world has blinded their minds, I command the blinders to come off of them. So when the light of the glorious gospel comes, they're able to receive it. Praying for people earnestly. It doesn't take a long time. It just takes some faith and you releasing your belief when you're praying for them. And if you would concentrate even just on one person per week, you know, you may not see immediate results, but your, the Bible says your prayers, uh, the effectual fervent prayers of a righteous man, may, your power is being made available to them. Now, you can't always make them take that power, but if you'll take that power through your prayers and make it available to them, it's right there. They're going to know it's right there, but you can't make them take it. I can't make all you, I can't make you take it. And you can't, but but I, I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to believe God for you. Now, you all are taking it. I can tell when you're taking it. And you're taking it. But with that person, pray for them. So number one, I, I'm going to ask the Holy Ghost right now to give each one of you a prayer assignment for somebody who needs to be restored. Somebody who's backslidden or somebody you work with who is not born again. A neighbor, someone you know. He's going to bother you morning, noon, and night. That person's going to come up in front of you morning, noon, and night, and you're going to pray for them, and that's the first thing you're going to do. You're going to pray for them. Now as you pray for them, something else might happen. The Lord might actually tell you to do something, to say something. Um, you know, uh, one of the things Ezekiel talks about to shepherds, he talks about, he gives the woes to the shepherd. And he said, one of the things you didn't do is you didn't go after that which was lost. You didn't strengthen the weak. Um, and, and, and in that, if you look at Ezekiel, he even gets on the sheep who are just, uh, uh, just, just all about me and they muddy the waters because they're the ones in first. But we're not like them. We can receive everything God has for us and still take care of everybody else around us. Amen? I believe God is doing some restoring. I believe God is doing some restoration. What is a love illusion? Well, love illusion is not just you receiving the love of God. It's you portraying the love of God. And it's not just loving the brethren, which is the highest place where people know that you and I are born again. But then it takes that love that is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost and it begins to pour it on someone else. It begins to pour it on someone else. Um, you know, how, how, do, how do you do that? Well, you go after them. How do you go after them? There's so many ways to go after them, to restore them. The only thing I have to share with you, and some of you have heard it many times, but I want to talk to you about my life. Um, I was born again, probably the age of about 12, in a little youth group. And I tell the story of we all got born again um, on the midweek service. And I lived in this little village, um, you know, between uh, the little towns, and you don't know them, Marshall and Paris. I lived in Oliver, Illinois. And uh, it wasn't really a town. We just called it one. And my mom always says that she was the mayor of that town, but she was not. And so there was no mayor. And so anyway, um, so that's when I got born again. And really, I wasn't that interested in the things of God and didn't grow up, uh, didn't really grow in the things of God. And at the age of 16, I went and got a job. Um, out of McDonald's, and um, I was a good kid, but um, I didn't have anything to hold me. And so, backslid, you know, I wasn't a horrible kid, but backslidden, lived in sin. Did that, backslid till I was, uh, 
until I graduated from Indiana State University the whole time, living in a backslid condition, then began to, because I was backslid, began to believe squirrely stuff. Began to believe there are many ways to God. Lost my, I didn't have much foundation. They begin to, you know, you go to those classes in school and they all make you go through some of these things and you go through the easy ones. And one of the easy ones was comparative religion. And I began to believe it because the professor believed it. And I began to believe there are many ways to God. Now you and I know there's just one. And, And it's not hard or harsh of us to tell everybody that. Because if you know the truth and you don't tell somebody that, I mean, you wouldn't let someone walk in front of a semi. So I'm not going to let anyone walk off into hell. There's one way. Jesus is the way. He's the only way. It's not nice for me to withhold that information from someone and let them go to hell. That's not love. That's not love. I have to tell them the truth. So anyway, I backslid, and then I went to move to Indianapolis, and I got my um, accounting job and stuff. So let me back up a little bit. So while I was in college, though, I had a friend. His name was Greg. That he he always, he was trying to help me, and their family was trying to help me. And I don't have time to get into the whole story, but this is how you restore people. And restoration may not happen in a moment. It may not happen in a minute, but you and I are doing it all the time. I I believe the Holy Ghost, as we go into this season, and it's more than a year, a season of God doing some great things, he wants the church to be mindful of the lost. He wants us to be more than mindful. He wants us to get them into the body of Christ. That is their only hope. They're not going to change the way they think. They're not going to change the way they act until they're born again. And I'm not trying to be funny, but even people who are born again don't totally act right. Because it's a process. Discipleship is a process. So first, though, you've got to get them born again. Second, I believe you've got to get them filled with the Holy Ghost. Third, you've got to get them into a church like this where they're taught the Word of God. But sometimes that's a process. And so restoration, I mean, he may instantaneously do some things for them, but they're going to have to learn to walk some things out. So God wants to use you and I. So um, how, does, how does restoration happen? Well, I was backslidden. My friend Greg, his family, was um, uh, really heavily involved in church, really strong Christians. And so they would take me to all the social events. I wouldn't go to church with them. But I would go eat with them. I would go play football with them. Connect groups around here are a great place to restore people. Maybe they won't come to church, but they'll come to soccer. They'll come to basketball. They'll come to um, eat food as you prepare it. Hallelujah. Uh, They'll come to, uh, I think we try the exercise classes around here, but I don't think they work. But anyway, the food classes work. But anyway, uh, you know, there's some other things we're getting ready to do. Um, We're going to be doing Spanish to conversational English. We're going to be reaching out to people. We're, we're ready to reach out. You're ready to reach with us. I want you to do it individually and, and corporately. But so my friend Greg would reach out to me. And, uh, you know, and, they would, and I would get to the edge. And I remember when they took me, there was a Pentecostal church. And I remember they took me and set me in the middle pew because I have never seen people raise their hands. I'd never seen people uh, clap their hands during, because I grew up in the, Oh, da, 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 da. I, I didn't. I was like, "What are they doing? They're clapping and they're excited." And oh my goodness! And I wanted to leave. And so anyway, um, but I didn't because I was in the middle. 
And so, put them in the middle. Hallelujah. All right. And, and so, uh, but I didn't really get born again. Then I tell you some other things that happened. Um, you know, uh, when I had an experience with God as I was working in Indianapolis, um, Greg was he, was, he was the only person I knew to call. But even when I called him, I didn't do what he told me to do. And then you've heard my story of my sister. Um, how, you know, um, she made me go to church. And I literally... Literally, promise you, promise you, I went to church with her to make her shut up. I had never intended to go again. I was one and done. It was to make her shut up. That was it. Well, look where I'm at today. Now, I'm not telling you. I went with her. One, I've been going ever since. I intended to go. One, I'm serious. I intended to go one time so she would shut up. I made the mistake of promising her that I would go. Never give up on anybody. Well, I've been working on them five years. We'll work on them five years in one day. Just keep inviting. Keep inviting. Don't ever give up on it. There's hope for everyone as long as there's breath within their lungs. My point is, those two, I give you a story after story of other people. God used them to restore me. I was broken. Broken. Inside, not outside. Outside, I'm a professional. Driving a brand new car, wearing new clothes. Eating at the best restaurants. On the way up the corporate ladder. Looked great on the outside. Smiled big. On the inside, torn up. Didn't want to live. Didn't care about life. Because I had something missing. I had someone missing. God wants to have a revolution in the fact that he wants you and I to restore people. Who is it that God sends you across their path? Someone you know, maybe somebody you don't know. What you need to be aware of is who? Lord, make me aware of somebody. Make me aware of somebody. In this season, God wants to restore you. He wants to bless you. But he wants you very mindful of others. It's time to build the kingdom. It's time to build the kingdom. Um, it's time to become very kingdom-minded. It's time to increase the kingdom. We hope you were inspired by today's message. If you want to hear more from the Word of God, head over to cwol.org. Check us out on YouTube or any social platform under at Madison. We believe God is working within you and we want you to know Him so you too can make Him known.